Virginia. Did you know the law protects patients from surprise medical bills? Insurance companies and hospitals post cost information online. You can request a good faith estimate three days ahead of hospital care. Know your rights as a healthcare consumer. Visit controlyourcare.com to learn more about patient-focused healthcare laws. Controlyourcare.com can help empower your healthcare decisions. Paid for by the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association. Hello and welcome to Latter-day Lesbian, a podcast about an ex-Mormon gay girl trying to figure out her life. I'm Mary. I'm Shelly. <laughs> I just felt like announcing it I like way. it. Did you? Hey, and guess what, Shelly? What? This episode has some Patreon supporters and we want to give them a little shout out here. Yes. What do we got? Is that me? Okay. Yeah, who do we have here today? Oh, uh, so can we just first say that these are our first patrons? Very first. So excited about it. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Uh-huh, so here's your episode where you get your shout out. First of all, is Sharna Silverstein. Thank you, Sharna. We're making a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Second shout out, Indigo Hanahan. Thank you, Indigo. Can we just say that's the coolest name that ever? That is the cool name. Indigo I, Hanahan. I want to change my name now to Indigo Hanahan. I'm going to call you Indigo for the rest of the show. So okay. Indigo, can I continue? <laughs> That'll be confusing. Okay, you're right. And our third patrons are Jim and Lainey O'Grady. Thank you, guys. And who are Jim and Lainey O'Grady, Mary? Well, Jim is my cousin, as a matter of fact. And we have reconnected over the last couple of years, and it has been wonderful. Oh, that's awesome. I love those guys. Sweet. And our last brand new patron is the Ask and Tell Project. What's totally that, Shelly? pumped about this. I'm going to tell you about it. So go to askandtell.com. What they're doing is they're building a community for LGBTQ veterans and service members by sharing real stories and making connections. Well, that is amazing. Yeah, totally. Remember when it, when it was um, don't ask, don't tell in I the military? Do. Kind of like, hey, stay in the closet. Yep. Um, so this organization is called Ask and Tell, and it's encouraging these service members to ask and be tell? out and tell yeah. about your life in the service and, and be great. proud of yourself. So oh, yeah, yeah, to ask go. and tell project. And I'm so excited that they decided to sponsor I us. I know. Thanks, guys. This is your episode. Don't forget your subscription now offers you access to Latter-day Lesbian, the after show, yeah. which is, I think, fantastic videos um, where we go and we listen to our podcast and then we give a commentary afterward. And it's videos. You get to see us and all of our fumbles <laughs> and the dogs biting each other. Oh, the, the dogs run around in the background. And, yeah. It's pretty entertaining. And there are some edits where there's a dog that is there, and then the next edit, the dog isn't there. It's kind of magic. You should go find it. It's magical. Yeah, try to find the Easter egg <laughs> that we put in there, like the dog magically disappeared. Wait, what happened to the dog? It was just uh, there. I know. Also, you can leave comments on those uh, videos as well. So yeah, we would appreciate any feedback. Uh, if you listeners would like to be a sponsor, go to patreon.com slash Lesbian and sign up. Yeah. Can't Thanks wait. so much. Moving on, we have a lot of announcements and whatnot to get to today. It's been, it's been a big week for listener emails. We yeah. have so many. Wow. Here's the situation. Go. We can't get to everybody's emails at this point mm-hmm. on our podcast. There's there, just too many. No, there's too many. And we love them. I read every single you one of do, them. You do, and you respond. And I hope that listeners don't feel bummed out if their email or message isn't read on our podcast. Yeah. There's just so many. Yeah. We love you guys. Keep them coming. I love to read them. It gives us motivation to keep going. You know, we'll record an episode 
and we'll feel like, eh, it was all right. And then Mary will do her magical editing, <laughs> and then it sounds good to us, but I, we still don't know how you guys are going to take it. And so when it releases and then you all start sending us these really good messages, it makes us feel like, yes, we're doing something good. We love that you guys listen. I wish you guys could all just sit around our table where right now in this tent that Mary has constructed <laughs> out of sheets and foam um, and drink coffee with us and just chat. So where uh, where do you want to start? How about Joe? Okay, yeah. You got that one? Um, I do. All right. So Joe is a listener who is a supporter of ours. Thank you, Joe. Joe was raised Mormon, married a woman at 24, then left the church when he figured out he was gay, and he didn't like the way the church and the majority of its members treat LGBTQ people. Valid reason, I'd say. Agree. But Joe, who is a supporter of our podcast, as I mentioned, doesn't appreciate our anti-Mormon stance and says he cringes when we refer to it as a cult. Hmm. Thanks for writing in, Joe, and thanks so much for listening. So, Shelley. Yes. I think it's pretty clear why you're anti-Mormon, since you feel very damaged by the church, right? Yeah, I, I don't take offense at him telling me that I'm anti-Mormon. When you're Mormon, the term anti-Mormon is very derogatory. Like, yeah. you don't listen to anti-Mormon people. You don't read anti-Mormon literature. I am anti-Mormon in that I'm against what they teach, I was damaged by it. I am. I'm against it. So we're very vocal about it. And very vocal about it because I feel like a lot of people don't feel like they have a voice to be able to say what how they've been damaged or they feel like they're the only one. Check it out. We are not the only ones. I know this because you wonderful listeners keep sending us emails. And if you're Mormon listening that's working for you, cool. Great. Do it. Um, But I'm not going to pull back the way I feel to make anyone comfortable. So this is... And 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 that and not that Joe was like saying don't talk that way. No, he was he being wasn't. very kind and expressing how he was feeling. And he said he does still listen. Which thank you, Joe, for listening. Um, but I I will continue to be honest with with how I feel about things. Um, and I was very hurt by it, and, and am still hurt by it. And so I'm going to talk about it because I think it's something that needs to be addressed. Addressed for sure. So why cult, Shelley? I think it is a cult. And when when you read this message to me from Joe, we actually looked up like the Wikipedia definitions. I'm on dictionary.com right okay. now. Read it. A particular system of religious worship, especially with reference to its rites and ceremonies. Interesting. That's mm-hmm. the first thing that comes up. Um, an instance of great veneration of a person, ideal, or thing, especially as manifested by a body of admirers. Yes, follow the prophet. Hello. Mm-hmm. A specific system of religious worship, especially with reference to its rites and deity. A sect devoted to such a system. A quasi-religious organization using devious psychological techniques to gain and control adherence. Yes, I agree completely with that one. Okay. I think that people want to uh, use the term cult negatively because they're saying, well, in cults there's brainwashing and there's manipulation. Well, yeah, in Mormonism, there's brainwashing and manipulation. So in my mind, think of the worst possible definition of cult in your head. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's Mormonism. Yeah. So I, That was your experience. It was my experience. And so I'm not going to apologize for thinking it's a cult. And I will continue to refer to it as a cult because um, that's how I feel. Yeah. So, And what's the use of having a podcast if I'm going to censor myself? I think that people who listen really want to hear how I feel. They want my truth. Right. Because I could sit here and tell someone else's truth, but what's the point? And he possibly had a really good experience while he was in the church. Sure. Now he has a different view because he's gay. He's gay, mm-hmm. and that sort of changes things. Anyway, Joe, we're sorry that you cringe when we say it. Unfortunately, we're How still. I feel. 
<laughs> yeah. We're but still we appreciate you messaging. For oh, sure. yeah. yeah. For sure. Your point of view is always welcome. Um, doesn't mean we're going to necessarily change behavior, but we'll definitely have a conversation about it. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you for writing in. Yeah. What's next? Next one. Okay. This one is from my friend, Natalie, who we actually used to be neighbors. Love, love these people. This is from the last episode where we were talking about tithing. Tithing, yes. And how we feel like it's extortion. Yes. It's basically bribe money. Yes. So she says, your rant about the abuse of tithing dollars made me cry. Like you, we could have literally paid off our mortgage for what we, quote, donated and in parentheses, she says, obligatory payment. Mm-hmm. And then I had to watch as a Relief Society president. Lazy-ass people in half-million-dollar homes get their mortgage paid whilst they work out at an elite gym. Mm-hmm. We put our 10% plus fast offering in a separate account and paid at the end of the year. Our last year in the cult, cult, cult. <laughs> we had some financial surprises, medical bills, vet bills in the thousands So he had used some of our allocated tithing rather than using credit. When it was time to report, you mean to the bishop or whatever? Yeah, tithing settlement. Mm -hmm. Tithing settlement? It's a thing. Wow. It's like the tax collector coming to get you. No, they call you in. Like in December, you get called in. Really? Yes. That doesn't happen in any other church to my knowledge. (sighs) Go Mormons, go. Tithing is appreciated by churches, and definitely the staff are paid through Mm -hmm. tithing, Mm -hmm. but they don't come to your house and knock on your door. No, they you make don't... you sign up, and if you don't sign up, they will call you and say, "Hey, oh, so we have a slot today at three o'clock if you want to come Whoa. in for tithing settlement." Oh yeah, that is crazy. Yes. Wow. Yep. So when it was time to report, we realized we could be partial tithe payers rather than full. So her husband said we might as well not pay any. Okay. We sat with the bishop, telling him our situation and that we weren't comfortable using a credit card to pay. At this point. My husband shared that he didn't really have a testimony of tithing. What does that mean? It means you don't believe that it's from God. You don't believe that you have to pay 10% of your income in order to get to heaven. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. We just faithfully paid without question. We asked some questions. He read us some BS scripture. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, does BS stand for? Oh, I know what BS stands for. Bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I got that. (laughs) He read us some BS scripture and then said reluctantly that we had to turn in our temple recommend. Yep. I love how they just go for that. Oh, yeah. It's like the jugular. Totally. uh, Because if you can't get in the temple, you cannot be saved. You're separated. That's how they get you. Yeah. They just hold that crap over your head. Yep. I reminded him of our faithfulness. We both served in young men's, young women's presidencies and spent hours a week in service, but 10% time wasn't enough. She's saying, okay, we can't afford to pay this 10% because of these bills that we had come up, but we've given easily 10% or more of our time into this institution. I gotcha. No tithing money equals no temple. So here's what I did. And Shelly, you're going to like this. (laughs) I wrote a check for $15,000. I put it in front of the bishop and looked him dead in the eyes. I had one hand on my check and one on my temple recommend. And I said to him, so we've made it clear we don't have a testimony of tithing. You also know we will go into debt to pay this. But if I give you this check, we'll get to keep our temple recommend? He replied, yes. So I slid the check towards him and pulled the temple card to me and said again, you get the check, I get the recommend? He said, yes. I could see he felt horrible, but it was that simple. Then I said, so essentially, without a testimony, I am buying our temple recommends for 15 grand? 
He shook his head and looked down. And with that, I pushed my recommend towards him, took back the check, ripped it up, and said, I'm sorry, I'm just not going to be able to do that. And we left the room. Slow clap. <laughs> she said, oh, the chats we could have. Love you, girl. Oh, she said, girl. She and she said, girl. I use girl, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank I, you, Natalie. After I read that, I was like, oh, my gosh, Mary, you have to check this out. It's, it's fantastic. It's so good. And it also highlights so much how they hold tithing over your head. Oh, yeah. So here's the thing. They could have paid some of the tithing. They could have probably, they could have paid all of it except for like 2000 Maybe that was the what they were behind. Right. I think her husband was like, well, then we just won't pay anything. Like, right. We're getting kicked out of the temple anyway. Oh, right. If they paid a partial, they'd still get their temple recommends removed. Taken removed. Away. Yeah, yeah. And so why pay it all? Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, totally. And so here's something that people who are listening, if you're not Mormon, um, you don't have to go in with like your W-2s or anything. It's all honor-based. But you feel like God is watching you talk to the bishop, that the bishop practically is God and he has this special mantle of discernment and will know if you're lying. And so when he asks, are you a full tithe payer and you know that you're not and you say yes, you feel like you're going to hell. You are brainwashed into thinking these men above you have some kind of special power. Well, then God's a money-grubbing asshole. Well, Mormon God is a money-grubbing asshole. Jeez. I talked about that on episode 13, about That's how crazy. he's commanding these people to take these millions and millions and billions of dollars and building these huge empty buildings that no one can go in. Yeah. In these countries where people are starving to death. So right. yeah, Mormon God, you're an asshole, bro. Wow. Yeah, doesn't make any sense. Um, and so here's this perfect explanation of Natalie saying, I don't believe in this. Right. But dude's like, well, as long as you still give me the money, even though you don't believe in it, you can still go to the temple. Yeah. It's purely about the money. It is about the money. It's horrible. Wow. What a Thank great you for sharing letter. that with us, by that the way. fantastic. That, yeah. And Ooh. if anyone else has stories like that, please send them in. Yeah, send no, that's in. fantastic. You mm -hmm. are not alone. Nope. Wow. I wish you and Brent could have done that sort of thing. I know. I wish I could go as myself now and go back then and be like... That's gutsy, Natalie. Oh, Natalie, A, she's hot. <laughs> hot Natalie. Totally hot. Smoking hot. Um, B... You feel that way about a lot of women, Shelley. I might be gay. <laughs> <laughs> no, Natalie's hot and she has a British accent, so boom. That's I'm why done. she said whilst. Oh. I, I like that, Natalie. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to cut that out. No, no, don't I'm cut that out. Sure That's awesome. Don't cut like. it out. You have to. What kind of accent was that? I don't know. It was somewhat British, whatever <laughs> you just said. So. No, a little Benny Hill, a little. <laughs> <laughs> it was Benny Hill. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start chasing you around the table. Oh, gosh. I think we're having too much fun in this tent, this sheet tent that Mary's constructed. Uh-huh. Your kids are going to love this, by the they way. They are. Are we um, tangent? <laughs> I'm, I'm maybe just a little, a little. Uh, oh, so Natalie, no, she's smoking hot, British accent, and she doesn't put up with shit from anyone. That's fantastic. Which is why it was so hard for her, I think, to stay in for so long because she had so many doubts and she didn't stand up to Mormonism earlier because she's a strong person. She's mm -hmm. strong. She says what she thinks and that's that. And she'd been struggling with Mormonism for a while. I didn't know about that. But even someone as strong as her was still kept down for so long because of the guilt and the fear and the shame. Yeah. So. Wow. Well, good for her for standing up finally. Yeah. They're badasses. That That's family. great. Love them. That's great news. Whew. Next? Yeah. What's okay. next? Okay. So this is a shocking story that this person tells, but I completely believe it because this is what happens in Mormonism. 
Uh, so he says, right after I left the so-called reparative therapy, so he was a gay man trying to live Mormonism and was forced to go into this reparative therapy, which is that horrible... Is that conversion therapy? Conversion therapy, okay. yeah. We haven't really talked much in depth about that, but I do have mm-hmm. a few listeners actually who would like that to be a topic that they can contribute to because they were forced to do this. Anyway, I know without a doubt that issues with anxiety and depression I've had were directly related to my experience growing up Mormon. It creates such disconnects and trauma within an LGBT person's soul. Right after I left the so-called reparative therapy is when it was worse for me. I was in a serious state of trauma. I decided to get on an antidepressant, hoping that it would provide some relief. So I went into my family's physician in Provo, whom I hadn't seen before. Provo's like Mormonville. Okay. Yeah. I went in and told the nurse why I was there, and she had me fill out this little depression questionnaire because I guess they don't trust your own perceptions. The doctor came in a little while later and right off the bat says, I see you're struggling with depression and want to try an antidepressant. Well, I'm not just a doctor, but I'm also a stake president, and I have a duty to find out if there's any unresolved sin that is leading to your depression. Oh, God. Can you believe that shit? Uh, well, yes. yes. And this guy says, I'm not kidding. That's exactly what happened. So he continues telling me how unresolved sin leads to depression and asks if there's something I need to discuss. Mm. He tells me some faith-promoting type stories of a woman who had been depressed all her life and finally in her 60s confesses to some sin of some sort from her teenage years, and that helped to resolve her depression. So I'm sitting there in front of the doctor slash stake president and kind of freaking out inside because I'm so newly on my own emotionally, and I decide to just lie to him and say, nope, there's nothing. I wasn't about to tell him about being gay and knew there's no way in hell he'd understand what I've been through. I got out of there as fast as I could. That is insane. Uh, One more thing. I had recently started seeing a non-LDS therapist and told her about this, and she was livid that this doctor would cross such an ethical line with someone. Yeah. That's some crazy shit. I bet that happens a lot out there. Oh, I'm sure it does. I told you about my wacky Mormon therapist that was telling stories about how he got some kid to finally be able to quit masturbating. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. I know. I know. So... That is the kind of stuff that you can have to deal with when you're Mormon and you're dealing with professionals. Mormon professionals. Mormon professionals because they overlap this Mormon thing. They feel like because they're Mormon, they have some kind of obligation. Like this doctor saying, well, the reason you're depressed could be because there's a sin that you haven't repented of. Like, bro, you're a professional. What are you doing? I know. You went to medical school, supposedly. (laughs) <laughs> Some craziness. Some craziness. I don't know. Maybe God called him to a doctor mission and he didn't have to go to medical school because suddenly he had the mantle. He had the mantle I'm of doctorship. I'm learning the terminology. <laughs> You're doing so good, Mary. <laughs> the medicine mantle oh, or something. Oh, Lord have mercy. Wow. This reminded me of a story. It's similar but not the same. Um, so when I was at BYU, I was in this anatomy class. And my brother uh, was a TA, I think, like a teacher's assistant in there. And I remember the teacher was this kid. He wasn't married. I think he was just home from his mission. He was like, he was the lab instructor. So not the actual teacher, the lab instructor. Anyway. He was probably like a graduate student, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Probably in his early 20s. He was Mormon, return missionary. Anyway, I remember we were talking about reproduction because we were going to do some cadaver work. I, I don't remember. Anyway, but I distinctly remember him saying... There's no reason for a girl to go to the or their OBGYN until they are sexually active. Why is that? I don't know, but I remember him saying that, and then I felt guilty and horrible because, um, or I felt ashamed because my brother was there, 
And I had made an appointment to go see an OBGYN, not just the GYN. I wasn't pregnant at all. I was still single. And so I don't remember why my brother knew that I was going. I think I just mentioned, yeah, I got to go to the lady doctor, making a joke about it, right? That I was going to go to the lady doctor. And then when this lab instructor mentioned that, that you don't need to go unless you're sexually active, instantly I was thinking, oh my gosh, now my brother thinks that I'm sexually active because I made this appointment, which I was previously sexually active for sure. And that was actually why I was going in. But what, like, why would you say that? Why, why would some dude give advice to the girls in the class saying you don't need to go to, to a lady doctor reasons. unless you're sexually active. No, he just has no idea. There's lots of reasons that well, you no, would Well, no, he go. wasn't being spiteful or rude or mean or anything, but he didn't know that that is not true to say. Yeah, you could have a problem. Like I went because t- it took me so long to have a period mm-hmm. that we started to get worried and we had my hormones checked. That was a reason to go. Sure. Some people can just bleed profusely, bleed too much, mm-hmm. and her, their period can last for weeks. That's a reason to go. Endometriosis, that's a reason to go. Pain in the abdomen. Well, now everyone in that class figured that, well, the only reason to go is if you're having sex. So that's now ridiculous. the shame is that if you're going to see yeah. your GYN, it's because you're having sex. So thanks, well, whatever your thanks, name was. Thanks, dude. Yeah, appreciate that. Thanks, uninformed Mormon guy. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So anyway, actual thanks to the gentleman who gave us that post that I just read. Wow, what a messed up story. That yeah. sucks. And I'm that sorry for suck. everyone who has been Ugh. through that because wow. it sucks. Yeah. Whew. Yep. Okay. Um, wow, this is quite a podcast. I know. It's a little <laughs> bit everywhere. I'm kind of little, liking it. Oh, I've got a great announcement. Okay. The church has changed one of their big rules of the missions. Ooh, Are you let's ready have for it. this? Are you ready for this? Yeah. So from now on, the volunteer missionaries who pay their own way mm-hmm. to serve the church are now allowed <laughs> to call home once a week. <laughs> Way to go, church, you (laughs) jackasses. Are you serious? Like, why was it ever a thing that these poor kids weren't allowed to call home? I know. What's up with that? So anyone who doesn't know what the heck I'm talking about, the previous mission rule was when you go on your mission for two freaking years for the boys and a year and a half for the girls, because I guess the girls can't handle it or whatever the reasoning is. Is that that what it is? I don't know. Girls are more sensitive? I guess. I don't know. Well, they're supposed to be getting wow. married, not be going on missions. At least that's what it was uh-huh. taught when I was younger. You were only allowed to call home on Christmas and on Mother's Day. Wow. That's it. And it's funny because I know my dad, because he was a mission president, he thought that was a great idea because they really need to focus on their missions and not be so concerned with things that are going on back home and they need to be in the work and blah, blah, blah. But now wow. they've decided to change that. And I want to ask my dad, what do you think now, dad? Why do you think they changed that? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you why they changed it. Because the church is losing about 30% of their missionaries are going home early. Because they're homesick and stuff. They're homesick and it's hard. Yeah. I'm like, dude, like, why, what's the, why take an 18-year-old kid? I'm imagining my kid who's 19 uh-huh. and he's not coddled. He's not a mama's boy. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't imagine sending him to some third world country where now, like, there's other dudes in charge of him and telling him what to do. And if he has a bad day or a bad week or a bad month, he can't even call and be like, yeah. oh my gosh, mom. Like yeah. that's the, And that's, you know what? You separate them from their families and you indoctrinate them. Mm. Well, now they're losing 30% of their missionaries because of mental illness. Because it's wow. like, that's so lonely and so hard. Yeah. And so now to try to keep them out in the mission field, they're, they're allowing, allowing them. them to call home. And what do you think the parents are going to say when they call home? You've got this, stay out there, make us proud. Mm-hmm. Hey, parents of missionaries, if you're listening, if your kid calls home and is like, mom, I'm losing my shit. I need to come home. 
Let them come home. Don't guilt them into staying in something that can be so damaging. Yeah, for sure. That's my advice. That's good advice. Thank you. Uh, the more I hear about this stuff, the, the more I'm starting to think it's all completely fake. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's good. Okay, we have another announcement. I, you know, this is this, this is the is announcement announcement episode. Ep- episode fourteen. The announcements. That's what we'll <laughs> call it. So I was lucky enough to be interviewed by a lady by the name of Claire Brown, and she has a podcast, and it's called Power Women. This is all one word: conversations with powerful women about moving the pendulum. If you want to check that out, you can find it on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes. This is episode four that I'm on. Oh, so there was a relatively new podcast. Yeah. Yes. Oh. So we're trying to get some momentum Momentum. going for her. Check it out. She basically interviews women and they tell their story about overcoming adversity or um, becoming successful in business or, you know, any any Standing up for themselves. Yeah, it's great. I think you qualify as a power woman. Oh, well, thank you. It's called Power Women Podcast? Power Women. That's all one word. I know because I searched for it with two words and I couldn't find it. So all one word. Power Women. Okay. Conversations with powerful women about moving the pendulum. I think that was a pimp your pod. Was it? I think it was. We just pimped a pod. Well, you're right. We're going to have to play the music. <laughs> Any excuse to play that music. <laughs> I just love those Latter-day lesbian singers. They're so great. <laughs> They're so talented. <laughs> okay. Moving on, there's something else. This isn't exactly a podcast, but uh, we are going to be on a radio show. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of those like um, internet radio programs. I don't. It's not a radio station per se. I don't it's think. Internet radio? I think it's a URL. It's called Stand Up International or SUI Radio Show. So it's every Sunday at five thirty, and we're going to be on Sunday, March third. At 5.30. And it's live. It's not pre-recorded. Whoa, it's live? It's live. Oh, I'm nervous. Did you not know that? I wasn't aware. (laughs) I'm going to need to curb my language. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Maybe they can have a delay and and bleep you out. I don't know. We'll have to ask her about that. You do kind of have a potty mouth. Mm, Sorry. Yeah, let me just read a little bit here about what Stand Up International is. Okay, go. Uh, It was created to provide a safe healing platform for all who have been abused, discriminated against, oppressed treated like a second-class citizen and or a victim of a crime or hate crime. We believe it is imperative that your voices be heard and your stories be told. As we stand up and support one another, we will create an unstoppable movement, all designed to help legislate new tougher laws for social justice that will empower all women across the globe. That's fantastic. I like it. And we are going to be on the radio show. What day again? Sunday, March 3rd at 5.30. Live. Live. 5.30 Eastern time? Nope. This is 5.30 Central time. And we are going to have more information as far as how to find it next time. We We have one more week to promote, so we're good. Yeah, we do. So last week, I posted a picture on Facebook and Instagram of my ex-husband and I holding our divorce decree. Right. And saying, hey guys, we did a thing. I know. I was very excited about this day. Yeah. Long time coming. And the divorce is finally final. Can I just tell you for a second why I was excited? Yeah, please. Well, A, I love the idea of you actually being single and able to date me without any kind of other thing that's keeping you attached to someone else. And it's nothing personal about who you're attached to. I just don't want you to have any attachments. And also, it felt a little like I was an adulterer, even though in some ways that doesn't necessarily make sense. But the fact was I was having relations with a married woman. Right. I mean, that's what was going well, separated. on. Separated. Yeah, but still, you weren't 
legally divorced, and it just never felt great to me. Does it feel greater now? It feels much greater now. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's why I was super excited about it. Oh, I know. And I think you were worried that I would just kind of kick the can down the road. It's kind of a pain in the ass to get it all done. Put off a couple of times. Yeah, I mean there are reasons, but sure. Yeah, yeah. I didn't love it. Yeah, super happy when it happened. Sure. Um, And we took the picture, posted it, and I feel so lucky that I have the kind of relationship with my ex that we can take a selfie. Yeah, that was great. Of us holding our divorce papers (laughs) and post that publicly. And people came out of the woodwork congratulating us, like Mm -hmm. people I hadn't heard from in years. Like, oh, congratulations. I wish I had that kind of relationship with my ex and and yada, yada. And, you know, Brent and I in the picture, we joked about it, we laughed. But I wanted to also say, like, at the end of the day, after the joking about it was over, um, I came home and just had, like, this immense feeling of emotion. And I don't really know what to call the emotion. Mm -hmm. I can't think of the word for it. You know, he and I were together for 21 years, 23 years if you count the two years that we dated. Right. You know, seven kids. That's more than half of my life. Oh, yeah. It's like closing a chapter on this huge part of your life. Yeah. For sure. And so it wasn't a feeling of regret. It wasn't a feeling of, I can't believe the marriage is over. I'm so sad. It wasn't that. It just had a bit of a heaviness to it. Well, change is hard. Yeah. I don't know what the word is for it. But But you also, you get the feels a lot. I'm a feeling. You cried on the first day of your last child's kindergarten. Oh first, my God, first I was a mess. Yeah, you're a mess. You're right. And I was the one who was like, I'm not going to cry. I never cried when my kids go to school. I'm like, go, go to school. <laughs> but for some reason, the last one, I was like blubbering and like embarrassed. So like the ugly cry in the hallway. It's because these things are big occasions and yeah. they represent a lot of change and they represent sort of these monumental moments. Yeah. And it just evokes emotion for you. Yeah. I get it. I'm a bit of a feeler. You are. I'm getting a little in my feels right now because I'm thinking of what I'm about to tell everyone is how amazing you are, Mary, Mm. because we were sitting in bed and I was just feeling kind of the weight of this divorce finally happening and... I don't know, just kind of kind of running through memories in my mind. And, you know, the marriage wasn't 100% bad. It wasn't 100% good. There were good times. There were shitty times because of the Mormon thing. And going over all of it in my mind, it brought up a lot of emotion. And <laughs> I can't imagine it was easy for you because you were asking me what's wrong. And I was just trying to explain. I don't know. I just, I'm just feeling a lot of emotion from the divorce. And I remember you asking me, like, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm going to be fine. And you just held me and let me cry. Like I'm, I'm crying, you know, burying my head in my girlfriend's chest and crying about my divorce. Yeah. And you weren't selfish in that moment. You didn't say right. anything like, "Well, how do you think it makes me feel that you're crying about your divorce?" When I was just jumping for joy. Inside. Yeah, <laughs> you were so excited about it, and I was having this emotional breakdown. But I curbed my excitement that night. You did, and you held me, and you let me cry about my divorce. Yeah. And thank you for that. That was a beautiful moment for me, feeling how accepting you were of all of my emotions, even if they could be slightly hurtful toward you, that you still would let me be vulnerable enough to let that emotion out to you and you could just take it and listen and hold me and let me cry. And thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. And here's the thing about me, and I don't mean to sound braggadocious or whatever. I am not an insecure person. Very true. That's just how it is. So- when I'm holding you and you're crying about practically a lifetime with someone else, I know I still get you in the end. You're with me. You're yeah. crying on my shoulder. I got the girl. <laughs> you know what I mean? You did. I did. Yeah. yeah. So what do I have to worry about? Yeah. I got the girl. 
And I am really happy about that. I'm happy about it too. So thank you. You're welcome. Anytime. I think an insecure person in that situation might have been angry. Yeah, I think so. And not wanting to hear about the tears of someone crying over a, a past relationship. So For sure. Thank you for that. You are welcome. Are our listeners throwing up at yep. this point? Are they yep. like, oh, God, these two lesbians and their love affair. <laughs> Get a room already, ladies. <laughs> We're in a room. We're in a tent. We're in a and tent. And there's plexiglass in between us. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, so that leads into <laughs> oh my goodness. some Roast the Trolls. <laughs> like, how? Yeah. How does it? You'll see. So this is the new segment, Roast the Trolls. Roast the all right, we ready to roast Okay, them? who are we roasting today, Sean? Today we are roasting Samantha. Samantha, you know who you are. <laughs> and half of our Facebook friends know who Samantha Wait, is now we as well. can we back up just a little bit? Yes. So you took our new art yep. that still may be tweaked later. That is a whole other subject because yep. I'm never satisfied with anything. No. Yeah, I have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but you took our new cartoon images and decided to boost the post. Yes. And you thought you picked... The audience. I swear I did. I swear I picked LGBTQ (laughs) and ex-Mormon. I swear. But clearly Facebook didn't get the memo on that. Yeah. So some of people were like, you need to check your ad analytics. And that is true. I don't know how it went to some of the people that it did. It was not intended for some of the audience that it went to. One guy, I looked at his Facebook. He he was like posing in front of like rebel flags and all these different (laughs) things. Was he the guy who said, ooh, gross, stay in the closet? No, he said it was was he the guy demonic. who said it was demonic? I don't yeah, know. He no, might no. not there have been the, the one demonic who said guy. It was demonic. There was lots. No, he said this was like some sort of plot by the liberal left or something. Oh yeah, he was, he like, was fantastic. We're not even political on the show. We don't talk politics. Not at all. By the way, if anyone listening is interested, if you go to our Facebook page and you go to um, the post, it's just our picture: Latter Day Lesbian, yeah, it's an ex-woman an gay girl trying to figure out life. Anyway, this is the first time for me being out as a lesbian and hearing the anti-gay rhetoric directed at me. And it was a little surprising. Like, I don't know why I just in my mind think that people aren't hateful anymore because we live in the in the Washington, D.C. area, which yeah. is pretty gay friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to have these comments, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of jerks in the world. Yeah, you didn't have to go through like the 80s and 90s. I didn't. I remember one time, just a quick sidebar, uh, it was the mid-90s, I mm-hmm. want to say. I was living in Atlanta and a group of us, and I don't even think we were all that obvious. But we were standing outside the old spaghetti factory, mm-hmm. <laughs> and this drive-by gay basher yelled out his window, you faggots, or something like that, oh, and uh, drove off. I think there was only one guy in the mix. The rest of us were lesbians. But that was a slur that came to his mind. And you faggots. The you faggots. Mm, and, nice. um, yeah, that's the kind of thing you had to endure. You, it was good to stay in a pack back in those days. It's crazy. But anyway, continue. So this person, Samantha, her complaint was about me divorcing. Yeah. She goes, smack my head. If you are playing this game with minor children, then you are incredibly selfish. Switch churches, but don't destroy your kid's childhood. This was in response to um, that I got divorced, came out of the closet sort of thing. Right. And then a friend says, um, and kids living in a home with two parents who don't want each other is healthy. Get real. And then Samantha starts spouting studies which don't exist. Um, she says, yes, kids living at home with two parents who don't want each other when there is not massive abuse actually do much better. All the studies show that. A loveless marriage is okay. Destroying your children is not. Sticking together with someone who you don't love anymore is actually the best thing you can do for your child because it teaches your child to stick through a marriage when things get hard. This person just taught her children that partners are disposable and children are accessories that can be thrown away. Mm, wow. 
A, it's bullshit. And I dare you to find a study that says two parents that don't love each other staying together is better for the kids. Let's analyze this. All right. I keep trying to think of this term. And listeners, if you know what this term is that I'm trying to think of, it's when two former married people continue to live together as roommates platonically Mm -hmm. until their kids are... I guess, moving out of the house. I feel like there's a name for that. No, there is. And it's a thing that people actually do these days. Yeah. However. It's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. Let me throw my however however in there. This is why I don't think that works. It certainly wouldn't have worked for Brent and I. No, you guys wouldn't Um, Because I want to be with someone who loves me, and Brent wants to be with someone who loves him. Right, for sure. And there is no way we could have stayed in the same house and dated other people. Are you kidding me? Like, that would have caused major rage. Right. Also... Staying married for the sake of your kids, in my opinion, teaches kids that if you make a mistake, God damn it, you have to stick to it. Right. I no don't care what. what it is. You have sacrifice to your own sacrifice happiness. Sacrifice your own happiness. I don't ever want my kids to think that they need to sacrifice their happiness to make other people comfortable. Right. Not, it's not okay. Yeah. I don't want them to think that if they, they get into a marriage and the marriage doesn't work out and it's not working and you see no path to make it work— then get out. There was no path to make my marriage work. Yeah. And we were fighting all the time at that point because that's kind of what happens when you're in a marriage that isn't working anymore. It's not like you just decide, well, let's just high five each other and keep raising let's kids. Let's be roommates. It doesn't yeah. work. There's too much history. There's too many hurt feelings. It wouldn't it have worked for you guys. No, no, not at all. And for her to act like I just threw my kids away because I ended the marriage, like, that's some crazy shit. I ended the marriage partially for my kids. They Mm -hmm. were being exposed to fights. They had to witness that. They had to witness that. And, you know, I've talked to them now, the older kids. I've talked to them about it. And Brent and I both apologized to them for fighting in front of them. We knew it wasn't right. Mm -hmm. But you do get explosive in your emotions when you're fighting with someone that you've been with for that long. We've apologized to them for that. And they've actually said that their lives now— are so much better. Yeah. So much better. That's great. Mom and dad don't fight. Yeah. Mom and dad get along. Yeah. It's great. They wouldn't have said mom and dad get along for probably the last three years of our marriage. That never would have come out of their mouth. Yeah. And so I think it sets an example of owning that something's not working anymore and saying, let's change it. Right. I don't want my kids to be stuck in any situation and think that they can't change it. They just need to stay miserable. Right. That's not teaching something healthy to a child. No. No. Not at all. It just reminds me of the episode where... You felt like you were going to be resigned to this situation you had created and you went into the bathroom and just cried and cried and cried because you felt like you were going to lead a mediocre life. Yeah, that was it, that was it for me. Yeah. yeah. And that's no life for anyone. Mm-mm. It really isn't. And why would you do that for your kids? Why would you choose to be miserable for your kids? Do you think that when your kids grow up, they're going to say, hey, mom, Thank you for staying in your miserable marriage for me. Yeah. If they do say that, guess what? Your kids are assholes. <laughs> you raised assholes, so great job. <laughs> you love the word asshole. It's a good one today. It's a good one. <laughs> Episode 13, I was thrown out the F-bomb. Uh-huh. Today is asshole, I think. So <laughs> I I've, think you I've, used the asshole word in episode 13 as well. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, that was our troll that we chose to roast. And there are so many trolls on this thread that you may read yourself because it is... It's a good one. It's a good one. I'm amazed at how many people are angry. First of all, angry that they dare get this ad from us about Louder Day Lesbian yeah. Podcast and how dare I flaunt my sexuality. It's not like this is lesbian porn, which nothing <laughs> wrong with it, but I'm not sending you lesbian porn. I'm That's just a sending different Patreon a different tier. Patreon tier, which we don't have. Um, but to send you... Latter-day lesbian podcast and to have you be so upset 
and say, I'm going to report this as sexual or whatever. Yeah, somebody said they were going to report it to Facebook. <laughs> Like, okay. Because it was a sexual post. It was a sexual post, yeah. Uh-huh. So sexual. Where we're, we're sitting there, cartoon figures, um, talking into a microphone. <laughs> but they couldn't see our hands um, in the maybe picture. It was sexual. <laughs> maybe we need cartoon hands up where we can see them. Yeah, nothing going on here. Yeah. Anyway, see. that was our Roast the Trolls. So feel free to read up. It's some good stuff. And there's that some really funny crazy. commentary from our friends. So thanks, guys, for jumping in in defense of Latter-day Lesbian. Yeah, thanks so much. Just to give you guys a little tidbit of what's coming up next week, here are my notes. Um, episode 15, we're going to continue with my leaving of the church. Talk about me being rebaptized. Oh. Rebaptized? What? Yes. As a Mormon or something nope. else? Hang on to it. <laughs> okay. That's a teaser. <laughs> it's going to get good. It's going to get a little crazy. You guys might be made to feel a little uncomfortable. Oh. Um, more so than uh, the period story? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot. Like I, I think I said before, I didn't just go from Mormonism to nothing. Yeah. I went Mormonism to side branch of Mormonism to Christianity to nothing is basically where I'm at. So we need to hit that side branch of Mormonism. And there's some fantastic stories there about okay. how, again, horrible my bishop was. Uh, also, we're going to talk a little bit about Kate Kelly. Anyone who knows of Yeah, her? I have no idea who she is. So she was all about wanting women to get the priesthood. Okay, so I don't know if you all know this or not, but when a Mormon baby is born, they are given a name and a blessing in church. Right. And so the baby is taken up on the stands, and a group of men stand around the baby. The father holds the baby, and the men stand in a circle with their hands on each other's shoulders, and the man gives the baby a blessing. Well, it was brought up, well, why can't the mom go up there and yeah, hold the baby? That's crazy, yeah. Shelley. So someone started saying, well, can the mom come up there? And it was decided within the church, no, the mom cannot come up there. Moms are refused. You what? may not come up there with your baby. That is horrible. It is horrible. And so Kate Kelly sort of started this movement of having women be allowed to take on priesthood responsibilities. And yeah, she kid. became a little too vocal, and so they excommunicated her. Of course they did. Of course they did. And she actually lives um, in the stake next to my stake. So I'd met her a few times. We were Facebook friends. And what I'm going to talk about is the reaction from my dad when she got excommunicated, which was another reason that it was easy for me to leave the church. Yeah. Okay. So other churches do something similar. They call it a baby dedication. Okay. And the entire extended family, if they want, can go up there. Oh, yeah, the parents are definitely both there together. No, not, just not, men. not Mormons, just the men because they have the priesthood. So the mom has to sit in the audience. That's ridiculous. With everyone else. And then the dad and all the men in their suits and ties, which again, trigger. Yeah. Um, they do the blessing and then the dad holds the baby up for the audience and everyone's like, oh, ah. And the mom's just sitting in the crowd like, it's your damn baby. Yeah. I know because I did that seven times. Wow. That's Sucks. horrible. I know. It's horrible. Totally. It's it's bullshit. Uh, anyway, so we're going to talk about that with Kate Kelly. I wanted to throw some things out there. Uh, we've discussed that how you have a shelf and you put things on the shelf that don't make sense. And you're like, I'll deal with it later. I'll deal with it later. And eventually your shelf is so full of shit that doesn't make sense or that's hurtful that the shelf breaks. Yeah. And then you start to analyze the pieces and then you leave the church. Mm-hmm. And so some things on my shelf. Polygamy, A, number one, polygamy was on my shelf. It was hurtful to me. It di- I didn't understand it. It seemed so wrong. Brigham Young had 55 wives. Oh, 55 wives. Wow. And his wives were young. He was marrying young girls when he was old. Ugh. 
And I remember one time when I had all of my kids and I was noticing Brent really spending a lot of time to make sure that he gave individual attention to all of our kids. And I loved that about Brent. He Uh was always very good of spending time with each kid. Okay. And then it hit me like... How in the world could Brigham Young have been a good dad? There's no way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no way. So this man that everyone revered as Brigham Young um, was a shitty dad. Was a shitty dad. And yeah. I'm like, why would God institute a thing called polygamy that basically guaranteed men would be shitty dads? Uh-huh. That doesn't make sense. And that bothered me. And I said nothing about it. And I put it on my shelf. Okay. That was a big one when it crashed. Mm. Was that. I don't believe in a God who would institute marriage rules that would make men be shitty dads. Yeah, that's a good point. Thank you. Um, Also, on top of that, Brigham Young was a total asshole racist, and we'll talk about that as well. That bothered me. Put that on the shelf. Okay. Um, And also— You're not fond of that Brigham Young. No, no, I can't stand the guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also on my shelf was noticing how so many people were worshiping the prophet, this whole follow the prophet thing, and there was a specific— testimony meeting I sat in and two different people got up and one guy said, you know, it's so nice to belong to a church that when the prophet speaks, you don't even have to worry about it. You just do it. It's so nice to just have that relief that you Uh. don't have to think about it. I'm like, Uh, huh, okay. Uh, It's okay to question stuff, guys. No, not when you're Mormon. Nope. Uh. And then there was another lady that I kid you not, she got up and said, I love the prophet. I am so grateful that he speaks for God. If he were to say, jump off a cliff, I would jump off a cliff. Oh, wow. She said that, and I was like, wow. Wow. And the funny thing is, is I'm sure they'd been saying this kind of stuff all along, but I hadn't really recognized it until I was, until my shelf was starting to crack, shelf was starting to break. And then I started really paying attention and going, what the hell? Yeah. So we're going to talk more about that. Lemmings. Um, Yeah, totally. Yeah. And then finally, one thing I want to talk about on episode 15 is um, my sister-in-law, one of them asked me a fantastic question. She's still actively Mormon. She said, well, what would you do if one of your kids chose to be Mormon? Okay. She texted me that, and I was like, yeah, let me think about that and get back to you. All right. So we're going to answer that question. And why don't we throw that out as a question to our listeners? What if one of your kids, let's say that you're totally out of the church and so are your kids. Mm -hmm. What if one of your kids decided they wanted to be Mormon? Um, A, if they're minors, A, would you allow it? Um, B, how would it make you feel? Interesting. Okay, well, more to come. In the meantime, remember, steer clear of cults because they are no joke. No joke at all. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.